Warning, this episode contains brain food that will lead to improved emotional and social intelligence. Give us one hour and we'll help you change the way you think about happiness. Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen is fresh, optimistic, and purpose-driven media that promotes well-being from the inside out. Each week, Lisa spotlights diverse trendsetters and change agents who are the greatest contemporary thinkers and doers, devoting their lives to creating a better world in which to live. Your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen, is a widely recognized applied positive psychology expert, author, documentary filmmaker, and lecturer specializing in optimal lifestyle management. Let's get to it. Here's Lisa. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Thanks for joining us on today's show, where you will learn about thought management, navigating stress, and gaining dominion over your mind. My first guest is Dr. Mike Dow. This episode originally aired in April of 2020. My first guest is Dr. Mike Dow. He's a psychotherapist, best-selling author, and brain health expert. Dr. Mike holds a Master of Science degree in marriage, in family therapy, and a doctorate in psychology. And he's written a book, a pretty cool book. It's entitled, Your Subconscious Brain Can Change Your Life, Overcome Obstacles, Heal Your Body, and Reach Any Goal with a Revolutionary Technique. Dr. Mike, I can't wait to get into the revolutionary technique, but I want to just welcome you to the show. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. The pleasure is all mine. Well, let's just jump right into this because... Any technique that we can give people, any tool that we can share to help folks enhance their well-being is a number one priority on my list. But before we get into SVT or subconscious visual training technique, I want to ask you to define the differences between the unconscious and the conscious brain and what these terms actually mean. Yeah, so it's really interesting. I have a little diagram in my book of an iceberg. And, you know, so the conscious is that part of the brain uh, that is above the water, the parts that you see. And then the subconscious is that part uh, below the water. And then you're also going to see something really cool in my book as soon as you open the cover. And remember that old commercial, this is your brain, this is your brain on drugs? Yes. Well, <laughs> you're going to see my brain in a room doing nothing. And you're going to see my brain on SVT. So my brain, when I I activated my own subconscious via, you know, hypnosis and all of the other things that I put into this uh, little tool that I use. And you can kind of see my brainwaves. So um, essentially, that iceberg is taking us from these conscious brainwaves, which are gamma, beta, alpha, down into the dreamy theta brainwave, which allows us to do all sorts of things. And, you know, Lisa, the the example that I always give people is, you know, your subconscious is already working for you. So if you've ever had that experience of, you know, you're at a party and you're like, oh my gosh, I think I know you. How do I know you? And you consciously search your memory and you can't find the association or where you met that person. And then you give up. And then hours later, you know, you're like, you're going about your day or your evening. And then it just, bam, it just comes to you. Well, that was your subconscious working to try to find what you were looking for. And you weren't even aware that your subconscious has been working for you for hours, right? So, uh, so instead of being unaware of our subconscious working, you know, what this book is doing is teaching us how to use the subconscious in an intentional way. 
I really like what you just said, because I am one of those, I call them like the Rolodex data retrieval. You know, it's like, I'll get a hint of something, a subtle hint of knowing someone or a piece of information. And as we age, it doesn't come back to us as quickly as it once did. And I like when I get that little kernel of popcorn that pops and I'm able to make that connection. It's brilliant. And and I get what you're saying, that it is the subconscious that is doing the work. It's percolating underneath the surface. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, what's really cool about those brain scans is, you know, a lot of people, when they hear the word subconscious or hypnosis, um, there's a lot of hypnosis, a lot of hypnotic techniques in my tool that people will learn how to use in the book. But what's cool is you see my EEG, you see my spec scan of my own brain, which shows changes in blood flow and activity in the brain uh, that my buddy, uh, Dr. Daniel Amen did for me. Um, you know, so I, I think it takes some Lucky of the, you. I know. <laughs> No. But, you know, it takes some of the mystery away. I think a lot of people, when they think of the subconscious, they think of Las Vegas, they think of barking like a dog, being embarrassed or brainwashing or that I'm going to do something weird and woo woo. Uh, when really a lot of the effects are really scientific. And, you know, I cite a lot of mainstream published medical journals, you know, looking at the way that, for example, with a condition like, let's say, irritable bowel syndrome or IBS, that hypnosis is more effective than prescription medication in all of these studies. So, you know, it's, it's really interesting that, yes, your subconscious brain really can, in many ways, change your life. And, and the subconscious brain is, it, it, it's, tell us how it works in terms of activating both sides of the brain. Like we always hear about, oh, like we're working from one side of the brain. Ideally, we're, we're firing on both sides and being synergistic. And how does it relate to the unconscious and the conscious mind working together versus yeah, separately? That's a really great question. So you're going to see in my spec scan that the subconscious tends to activate and deactivate certain brain structures. Now, we know from EEG studies that hypnosis and the subconscious tends to activate the right hemisphere of the brain. But what's really cool about my technique is it's really the, the first tool um, that's ever been created that integrates bilateral stimulation with hypnosis. So um, there are certain points of the technique where you're going to hear alternating left and right tones in your ear while you're visualizing something that happened to you or something that, you know, just different things that you can visualize. And you, and you may be thinking, now, why the heck would I be hearing left and right tones? Well, when you hear tones in your left and right ears, that helps to activate the left and right hemispheres of your brain. So it's really helping you to use both left and right um, hemispheres. So it's often been said that when you use the left hemisphere, you can really make rational sense of your experience. And when you're using the right hemisphere, you can sort of paint in the language of the subconscious, which is really important when you're trying to be creative or when you're trying to get rid of something because the subconscious doesn't talk and store in words. It, it really talks and speaks and stores in images and sense memory. So you have to speak directly to the subconscious in those ways. But then you also have to bring the left hemisphere online to, to really make rational sense of your experience. So, you know, I think the tools in this really help people to be um, integrated, balanced, so that they can really use both 
left and right hemispheres, which are sort of correlated loosely with the conscious and the subconscious to really bring all of your cylinders online, so to speak. And it's applications as I see it. I mean, there's the obvious, which is healing memory and trauma and, and that sort of thing. But I would think that the application also works in the reverse in terms of, let's say you want to train for uh, better prowess in one area of your life, whether it's, it's, it's your studies or athleticism, that you could use it for that application as well? Absolutely. You know, we know that the theta brainwave, which is the brainwave of the subconscious, it works really well um, to press uh, when you want to press the delete button. So let's say, you know, prowess, let's say you want to really achieve something. Maybe it's athletic, maybe it's business success, maybe it's financial success. So then we would go back and we would delete any naysaying voice, any sort of uh, limiting belief, any sort of negative self-talk. And maybe that self-talk was learned because of things that you went through. We've all had childhood childhood experiences or um, negative, uh, maybe there was a failed business last year, you know, and that negative experience can affect us. Wouldn't it be so nice to delete that? And then, you know, the theta brainwave also works better in pressing the re-record. So now we can go back and we can uh, delete the negative. And over that, we can sort of re-record optimistic beliefs and positivity and sort of we can then install and rewire, reprogram positive self-talk, optimism, uh, which can then also help us to see the future. We also know that the Theta Brainwave helps us to experience things in a way that feels real. So in a way, you're tricking the brain into thinking it is seeing and experiencing anything that you can paint a picture of in your mind's eye, um, which then is telling the brain, oh, I can do that, right? There was this MRI study with hypnosis that burned people <laughs> with something in their hand, like for real, and, and then had them imagine it and then used hypnosis and then had them imagine it again. And they looked at their brain and they found that when you were just imagining this thing in your hand, it didn't really light up the brain. But when you used hypnosis and they looked at the MRI, it was as if they were actually getting burned again. So in a lot of ways, you can actually use that Jedi mind trick to trick the brain into thinking it's experiencing anything that you can paint with your mind's eye, which is a, a really great trick. And also the basis of like performance psychology, right? For when we train athletes, we're using this type of, of practice to help them envision getting that faster time or that, that, that a higher level of achievement. Absolutely. You know, uh, what, when you watch the Olympics, what diver, you know, when you watch them before they climb up that uh, tall diving board, which one doesn't practice something deep in their mind's eye, right? You know, and then, you know, there's all these other great examples of, um, you know, one of the founders of modern medical hypnosis, you know, he was uh, actually partially paralyzed from a really bad case of polio. And he would sort of to teach himself to walk again, he would put himself into these states and he would sort of um, in these hypnotic states, visualize himself walking again, visualize himself re wiring his brain and body to walk, which allowed him to walk again. So, you know, it doesn't matter if you are an athlete, uh, a performer, um, a stroke survivor needing to uh, recover, uh, doing things in this power of cognitive rehearsal, um, seeing what you could achieve in your mind's eye is really a, an incredible skill. 
I love what that, that phrase, cognitive rehearsal. So it's like the thought experiment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I like to say, you know, when people say, well, what's the difference? I always say that, you know, when you use the subconscious, it's sort of um, like virtual reality. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's sort of like uh, it's cognitive rehearsal on steroids is what it is, using the virtual reality of your mind's eye. So it makes it more potent and more powerful. We're going to take a break in a minute. And before we go, I want to just mention one thing about sort of ancient practices and technologies that um, make me believe that SVT, subconscious visual training technique, has its roots, cog cognitively or not. When you think about ancient meditation practices or sound bath, you know, tone therapy that uses different levels of tone to activate, you know, different parts of the brain. In essence, these ancient traditions had a knowledge of this before medical science ever caught up. Yeah, I think so. We know that 4-4 four, four is the rhythm of theta. Um, so any music, you know, when you look at these ancient practices, if you look at, um, for example, um, swaying incense, you know, we know that anything that sways and sort of captures your attention with slow 4-4 four, four rhythm music is going to put you into a trance. So we think that there have been a lot of ancient religious traditions, which is why some people now, you know, still have this association of, you know, anything with the subconscious has to be religious, which it doesn't. Um, it, it, we think that it really put people in trance. And there's even, you know, thousands of years ago, um, this, uh, I, I believe it was the Egyptians and sleep temples. Um, we believe that people were putting themselves into trance for the, the healing capabilities that it had. So this is not um, something that's brand new. This is something that's probably been going on for thousands of years. And is now able to be qualified, quantified, measured and proven. Yeah. And it's really having a renaissance, you know, hypnotism and hypnosis in the medical community was really big in the sixties and seventies. Then it died off. And then because of all of these brain scan studies and, you know, my brain scans, you know, I'm really the first person to do both a SPECT and an EEG to really show the effects. There've been a lot of recent MRI studies. The New York times has, you know, in the recent, in the past five years has been doing a lot of articles on the power of hypnosis, um, in relieving chronic pain, um, cancer treatment. MD Anderson is now using hypnosis for cancer. And it's just, it, it, so it's having this renaissance because we're realizing just how powerful it truly is. Let's take the break. We'll come back. We'll continue the conversation with Dr. Mike Dow. The book we're talking about today is Your Subconscious Brain Can Change Your Life, Overcome Obstacles, Heal Your Body, and Reach Any Goal with a Revolutionary Technique. We're going to learn about that technique when we get back. To learn more, please visit DrMikeDow.com, on Twitter at DrMikeDow, and on Facebook and Instagram, we've got those same pages. Dr. Mike Dow, here comes that break. We'll be right back, and then we'll continue the conversation with Dr. Mike Dow. Hang on, before we break, I want to share how much I enjoy a good challenge, like winning at sports or baking the perfect loaf of crusty bread. I also love to amuse myself with Best Fiends, my favorite casual mobile puzzle game. With more than 100 million downloads, Best Fiends is superior to any others out there. What I love most is that Best Fiends challenges my brain in new ways to strategize and conquer new levels. This gives me a shot of adrenaline and makes me feel like a winner. I'm working my way towards level 5005 and counting. 
Best Fiends is my go-to digital play pal, and I'm happily hooked. And if you're anything like me, you will be too. The fun never ends at Best Fiends because there are constant updates and always something new to explore. There's no game over. With thousands of puzzle levels, you'll never run out of goals to achieve. I love the cute little collectible characters, like my favorite, Bam the Caterpillar, who lives in a strawberry patch. Don't blame me if you end up kind of obsessed and find yourself playing in strange places, even while on vacation or staycation. No Wi-Fi? No problem. Best Fiends even works offline. So go ahead, worry less, and play more. Come join me for a super squeaky clean good time. Download the five-star rated puzzle game Best Fiends free today on the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Now let's take that break. To learn more about cultivating sustainable well-being at home and the office, visit HarvestingHappiness.com and explore Lisa's experiential on-site brain fitness workshops, corporate programming, and speaking engagement services. And we're back, continuing the conversation with Dr. Mike Dow. We're talking about thought management, navigating stress, and gaining dominion over your mind. Let's get back to the conversation that originally aired in April of 2020. So, Mike, bring it on. Bring on the revolutionary technique. I am ready to learn how to do SVT. Yeah, so I love this technique. So SVT, subconscious visualization technique, is the first technique that integrates cognitive behavioral tools with hypnosis and also bilateral stimulation and visualization. So uh, let me just break that down. So SVT is a seven-step process, and we start step one with looking at pitfall thought patterns that are associated with CBT. So looking at how personalization, polarized thinking, uh, pessimistic thinking, so consciously identifying these thought patterns and, and the way that they hold you back. Then in steps two through seven, now we're starting to access the subconscious. So you can kind of see how my technique, instead of like most other techniques, sort of just choosing one or the other, this is a technique that really integrates both cognitive behavioral tools with hypnotic tools, with subconscious-based tools. So then in step two, you're going to activate the subconscious brain. Um, if you'd like, we can demonstrate that a little bit right now. I can do a little mini practice if your listeners want to experience what that feels like. Don't you know it? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So let's do it right now. Um, So this is just a a tiny, like a a mini version. So all you'd have to do is just sort of become mindful of, let's say, your breath. And then just become mindful of the sounds that you're hearing. And then become mindful of one sight that you can see right in front of you. And then on the next inhale, roll the eyeballs up and then see one color there near the ceiling, there, up, and then hold the breath, hold, hold, hold. There you go. And then on the next exhale, there, allow the eyeballs to float down, down, down. And then when you're ready to relax, just allow the eyelids to close. There you go. And then imagine that you're riding an elevator down 12 floors, 12, 11, 10, deeply, deeply relaxed, 9, 8, 7, deeply, deeply calm, 7, 6, 5, 4, deeply, deeply free, 3, 2, 1, deeply deeply carefree. And here you can imagine yourself stepping out of that elevator 
and taking yourself into a memory, a memory where you feel so happy, so peaceful. And I don't know if it's a memory that you've already been to, a place in your past. And these theta brainwaves of the subconscious allow you to access memories in a way that feels visceral. And you can see and hear where you were when you were feeling so happy and free. And if you'd like, you can actually turn up that happy peaceful, carefree feeling as much as you can stand it if you dare. And know that here and now that you have the ability to access this feeling, not by creating an external change, but by internally accessing this feeling of happiness, of calm. Isn't that so nice to know? Yes, that's right. These feelings are already inside you. So now that you've gotten just a taste of what this experience is like, let's take you back up that elevator now, seeing it in your mind's eye, and you're going to become twice as awake and alert, and you are going to awaken feeling just so fabulous and free, better than you were just a moment or two ago. Now seeing that elevator, boarding it now, one, two, three, feeling a more awake and alert, four, five, six feeling a little bit more energized and awake. Seven, eight, nine, feeling so fabulous and free. 10, 11, eyes open, 12, feeling just a little bit better, more calm, awake and alert than you were just moments ago. Feel anything, Lisa? <laughs> I do. That was fabulous. I, and and it makes me think you can use it for almost anything, right? So you can use it for healing of difficult material. You can use it for helping to plant seeds for performance. You can use it even for basic stress release, which is really what your little mini sesh did, right? Yeah, absolutely. And obviously that was, you know, a few minute practice. You know, my practices are in the book and the audio tracks that come with the book are, you know, 30, 40 minutes. And you can see once you activate it, you know, steps, uh, steps three, four, five, six, seven, I take you back into your past. And then I have you optimize the present with visualizations, which are targeted for your goal. And then I have you move to the future. And then the coolest part is because we know from research that when you have activated the subconscious deeply, that you are very suggestible. So of course, I'm going to deepen you again, and then I'm going to plant positivity. So you're going to hear affirmations, you're going to hear this really positive self talk based on whatever the goal is, you know, every chapter is about, you know, there's a chapter for healing the body, there's a chapter for phobias and fears, there's a chapter for, um, you know, there's a little mini practice for insomnia for success. So you're going to hear these things and then I bring you out. Um, so you can see how you, yes, you really can use this for just about anything. And that was my next question was um, sleep hygiene and sleep issues, because that's something that most people can relate to. Not everybody's had some of these other uh, conditions, but we can all relate to sleepless nights or if we have chronic sleeplessness. And I can see how this would work. Oh, it's just amazing for sleep and not just initiating sleep. You know, one of the uh, I have to talk about just how magical SVT is for sleep, because we know from research that, you know, deep that that slow wave sleep tends to decrease as we age. And we know that that type of sleep is really uh, important for health. Um, we know that this technique, my technique and hypnosis in general can actually increase that with suggestions. We also know that, you know, I think that, that this research has just come out and it's really exciting in the past couple of years that 
the theta brainwave. So, you know, when you fall asleep, you're passing from beta to alpha through theta down into dreamless delta. But then as the night goes on, you pop back up into theta several times. And that's when you dream. And that's when you have that rapid eye movement. Um, and that happens mostly at the end of the night, right? We know that that theta brainwave is, is really important when you're dreaming because your brain is making sense of what happened to you during the day. It's chewing on things. It's chewing on memories. And it's either spitting them out. It's swallowing the memories. It's converting Converting memories, um, it, some of the things it can store, um, if it needs to really chew on something so it can make sense of it and spit it out. Um, and people who can chew on something and spit it out are people who can uh, be less likely to be diagnosed with uh, anxiety disorders and post-traumatic stress disorder. And Lisa, here's the really fascinating part. When you dream, you don't have control or much control over what you're going to chew on and spit out, do you? And if you're not dreaming, I'm sorry, if you're not sleeping eight hours, <laughs> ch chances are you're not dreaming. Because remember, most of your dreaming comes at the end of your sleep cycle. So hours six, seven, eight. So here's the cool thing. SV SVT is actually induced dreaming. It's the same theta brainwave. And you can use it to sort of um, make sense of what happened, uh, during the day, uh, which I think is just really cool. Well, it's a, it's a restorative process, right? It's a, it's a streamlined restorative process. At least that's what I hear you describing. Yeah, it is. And for people who genetically, you know, we know that, you know, there's a, a portion of people who, you know, looking at veterans who come back, you know, there's a subset of them who are more likely to be diagnosed with, uh, PTSD and it, no surprise in research, it's, it's the, it's veterans who have less theta brainwaves. Isn't that interesting? So when you have faster brainwaves, you're more likely to be diagnosed with PTSD. So if you can actually learn to generate the slower theta brainwaves, um, and then actually teach yourself to make sense of what happened to you and to discharge the negatively charged emotion, which is the hippocampus and the amygdala, two parts of your brain, the hippocampus, more memory, the amygdala, more emotion. If you can use these two parts of the brain, which my technique does to sort of uh, make sense of it, to sort of chew out and spit out that negative thing that happened to you today or last week or last month, um, then you can actually move on with more grace. Uh, this makes really good sense. And it's almost like a little bit of brain mechanics, right? That um, in a post-traumatic stress response, the amygdala, the hippocampus, they become overstimulated and the brain sort of locks in position, right? It's locked and loaded in this hypervigilant state. And what, I, what I'm hearing you describe is that this process, the SVT process, slows that down and disables it. Yeah, that's right. SVT is great for anybody with an overactive amygdala. It disables that part of the brain. It takes, you know, anybody who has that amygdala that's like the smoke detector that is just too sensitive that goes off every time you put a piece of bread in the toaster, <laughs> really, it turns it down, right? Which is really, really important for people who are, who, who have that part of the brain that is just way, way too sensitive. Um, and you know, if, if you are that 
that person, you know what I'm talking about and you know what that feels like and how uncomfortable that can be. So to know that there is a tool that you can actually go into that part of the brain, by the way, the, the theta brainwave of SVT is the dominant brainwave of the amygdala. So it makes sense that this is a technique that goes right in there and fixes it really quickly as opposed to conscious techniques, which it will fix it, but it takes a lot longer, right? When we look at you know, for example, for PTSD, these old exposure therapies, I mean, veterans had to come in and talk about their experience. Ugh, 30, awful. 40, Horrible. <laughs> 60 sessions. Who wants to do that? Right. It's like, no, I have to tell this story for the 50th time about, you know, seeing my best friend killed. No, I don't want to do that. That's it's traumatizing for me uh, with these techniques. First of all, you don't even have to talk, which, you know, for some people is nice because they don't want to talk about it again. Um, you just go into your mind's eye and, you know, really rapidly, you know, I treated somebody who was a survivor of abuse, some really horrific childhood abuse. Um, and in one to two sessions, he said, yeah, I mean, he just couldn't believe it. He said, you know, the, the left side of the brain still has a, an account of what happened. So it's not like you're not going to have total amnesia, but the emotional charge of the memory has been replaced, which is the distressing part, right? I mean, that's why pe survivors have these sense memories. You know, it's the, they wake up with nightmares, they smell something and that triggers them. So a lot of them are, they're on the right side of the brain, right? It's not so much the, the, fa the fact that you know you're a survivor, it's what that means to you and, and the, the emotions that are associated with that. So we were able to sort of delete and replace the uh, visual emotional memories with some really pleasant memories. And he just couldn't believe the difference in one to two sessions. And it was really a life changer for him. Well, to, I uh, just want, we're, we're out of time. So I want to invite listeners to, um, buy your book. Your subconscious brain can change your life, overcome obstacles, heal your body and reach any goal with a revolutionary technique, which will also offer readers a glimpse into Dr. Mike Dow's brain. You will see it there. <laughs> <laughs> the open, in the opening pages of the book um, and explore SVT, subconscious visualization technique. I think this is really cool. I'm going to use it on myself and I'm going to finish reading the book and introduce some clients to this because I see the value of this, this synthesizing process, right? Of firing both sides of the brain and using it for performance. I mean, that's where I see it as well as for healing of memories. Yeah, absolutely. To learn more, please visit drmikedow.com on Twitter at drmikedow and on Facebook, Dr. Mike Dow. And guess what? Instagram is also Dr. Mike Dow. Dr. Mike Dow, thanks for hanging out with me. Yeah, thank you. Pleasure's all mine. We'll be right back. And that is a promise. Did you know that happiness is actually good for your health? Happy people live longer, are more productive, and make better partners, parents, and professionals. Connect with us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and follow Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen for a daily dose of inspiration. And we're back, continuing the conversation about thought management, navigating stress, and gaining dominion over your mind. My next guest is Don Gooey. And this episode originally aired in April of 2016. Let's join Don Gooey. With me today is Don Joseph Gooey. He is the managing partner of Pro Attitude, a human performance firm with the mission of elevating the experience of work in corporate America. 
He is the author of three books, including The End of Stress, Four Steps to Rewiring Your Brain. Don previously managed Stanford's Department of Psychiatry, directed a regional paramedic emergency system, and headed the Center for Attitudinal Healing, an internationally recognized institute that pioneered a psychosocial approach to overcoming catastrophic life events. Welcome, Don. Thanks for joining us. Oh, well, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. This is, this is such a hot topic. Every, everybody's got stress from, from uh, our kids to ourselves to the people we deal with on a daily basis, is it really possible to end stress? Yeah, it is possible. You know, the, you were t- talking at the top of the hour about attitude. The biggest reason people are stressed is because the stress gene they inherited is turned up high. It's called upregulating. And so this accounts for 50% of why you're stressed, if you're stressed, and particularly if you're chronically stressed. And then, of course, there's our circumstances that stress us, you know, the money problems, job problems, family problems. But it turns out that circumstances only account for about 10% of what makes life stressful and and unhappy. Um, You know, we often think a change of circumstances is what's needed to end a stressful life, but in actuality, it doesn't make a very big difference at all. The change that makes the biggest difference is a change of attitude. Attitude accounts for 40% of what what either perpetuates a life of stress or transforms it into the good life, the life that you were just describing. And here's what's really hopeful. You know, research shows that a positive shift in attitude um, quiets the stress gene. In other words, it causes it to downregulate. And now that puts you in the driver's seat. It gives you 90% chance of achieving a high quality of life. You know, now you're flowing with all that intelligence that's in your brain, uh, including emotional intelligence, a very important factor in our success. And, you know, you're able to make your best day happen every day from your best self. Now you're in the position uh, to change your unwanted circumstances. You've got the brain power to master your life. You've got the brain power. Let's go back for a second and just revisit some of the things that you've just said because they are very powerful and very important. One thing I heard you say is that our circumstances only contribute to about 10% of our stress. So how we're relating to the issues as they come up in real time is only 10% of the factor, the condition itself, the external condition. And that 40% is the attitude. So how we are relating to those circumstances as they are happening. And that pretty much matches up with the... um, uh, ratio of the happiness set point, right? Where 60% of our emotional uh, temperament is, is uh, how we're wired, genetic, it's in our DNA, and 40% is environmental. That's right. You know, it's really telling because, you know, when I coach people and work with people in workshops, um, most people start off with thinking, well, if, if I had a better job or if I had more money or if I, uh, you know, if I had a better partner, a sweeter wife or a husband or, or partner, everything would be better. You know, my mother used to call it, <laughs> well, my ship comes in. But it turns out, you know, in the studies that they've done, they found that people who, for example, win the lottery, for six months they, they're elated. You know, it's a huge change in circumstances, certainly. Um, and for six months they're, very, they're happy, they're, they're humming along. But after that six months, um, their genetic disposition changes their mood set point back to where it was before. And what they find is that 
um, you know, the, their level of happiness goes back to what it was prior to getting all the money. And then they did studies on people who were paraplegic, who, who suddenly lost uh, the control of half of their body uh, due to an accident, a tragic accident of some kind. And they found with those people that for the first six months, they were clinically depressed. They could not have been more unhappy. But after six months, they came to the determination that if they didn't take hold of their attitude and find a way of turning this lemon into lemonade, in other words, uh, you know, generating the attitude that you're talking about to relate to these circumstances, their life was going to be twice as miserable. And most of those people made that shift, which is, which, you know, comes back to the point, your attitude determines your experience of life, and your experience of life determines the degree to which you're going to succeed at life. And if you have a positive way of relating to, to whatever comes, all the ups and downs that come, uh, you're going to do much better in life at every level of life that matters to you. Agreed. But I think we can also agree that, that stress itself is not what's toxic. Right. I mean, there's a good amount of stress is needed in order to catalyze change, to catalyze shift. So we're not talking about those kinds of challenges that um, call upon us to stretch. We're talking about the kinds of stress that have a physiological response to our bodies that in our bodies that actually can shorten lifespan. Well, when you take when you have a a problem, when you face uh, some kind of adversity, um, and you're afraid of it, um, and you feel pessimistic about it, um, that's stress. And when you make that shift in attitude to that word you just used, challenge, your stress level begins to drop. And what you see, what happens within your brain, your, your primitive brain, which is in, is in control of, of your experience when, when you're stressed, when you're afraid, it sets off stress reactions, it dumps stress hormones into your system, and those stress hormones debilitate the higher brain function that generates the fluid and creative intelligence to solve your problems, as well as the emotional and social intelligence that puts more joy into your work, instills more peace into your day, more love into your relationships, more spring into your your step. And all of that happens, all of that shift to higher brain power happens when you change your relationship to the situation. So when you get a problem, initially, you might go, oh, no. But if your attitude changes to to look at that problem more creatively, where it becomes a challenge, then then you become excited, you become engaged with it, and your stress level drops. You're not dumping stress hormones into your system. And that's the good part of stress. If you can initially use it to help you see that you have a choice that you can make here um, in terms of your attitude, a, a, a choice that empowers you, 90 seconds, uh, you avoid all of the debilitating problems that stress cause. And make no mistake, stress is a killer. If it becomes it's a chronic issue in your life, you need to change it because at the health level, it, it, it leads to heart attack, it leads to cancer, it leads to premature aging, and at the neurological level, it means debilitated brain function. Yes, and let's talk a little bit about the debilitated brain function versus optimal brain functioning because really we're talking about um, a different kind of brain science and research that is going on right now that is really proving that we can teach an old dog new tricks. You know, we talk about the happiness set point or we talk about the stress set point that comes from our DNA. 
But what science is bearing out, and this is really quite exciting, is through the discovery and development of, of, of neuroplasticity, we can actually train the brain. We can actually um, stimulate growth of new networks and connections in our brains. Talk a little bit about that and how it relates back to this theme. Well, you know, the, it, it, uh, neuroplasticity works uh, two ways. But I want to underline something that you said, is that what science is discovering, and, and the, it's a, really a new frontier in medical science, um, what they're discovering is that your mental state um, has a great deal to do with determining uh, the, your biophysical um, state. In other words, your body determines your health. Um, it determines the, the level of um, energy and um, well-being that you enjoy. And it also determines um, the degree to which you maximize the, your brain power. You maximize those intelligences that I just talked about, the intellectual, the emotional, the social intelligence. And like I said, you know, if you're born, if you, if, you know, stress is a problem in your life, it means you were born with uh, the stress gene turned up high. And you can actually begin through a shift in attitude, a shift in mindset, primarily a shift from, from being uh, primarily fearful, uh, anxious in the way you relate to the world, to being more dynamically peaceful, more calm, creative, and optimistic as you relate to, to circumstances. And as you do that, what begins to happen is that that higher brain function that, that makes you powerful and makes your brain powerful it begins to come online, and you begin to. You, you, it predicts a much more successful life in your career, with your family, with your own personal growth. You have the brain power to make those kinds of things happen. And here comes that quick break. We'll be right back, and that is a promise. Who says money can't buy happiness? Whether you are a skeptic or seeker, check out Lisa's new book. Are we happy yet? Eight keys to unlocking a joyful life. A boot camp manual for greater emotional fitness is available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, IndieBound, and HarvestingHappiness.com. Here's a truth bomb. Emotions are contagious, and happiness is a universally desired state. But we tend to forget that we all have the freedom to be happy or the liberty to be miserable each day, regardless of external circumstances. Explore the journey of human happiness, how to find it and keep it, with Lisa's documentary film, H Factor. Where is your heart? Visit HarvestingHappiness.com to learn more. Let's continue the conversation with Don Gooey that originally aired in April of 2016. We're talking about thought management, navigating stress, and gaining dominion over your mind. Let's get back to it. So, Don, let's talk about um, what happens to our bodies on stress. You mentioned the flow of cortisol. You mentioned the fact that it takes us out of the uh, good decision-making parts of our brains and takes us into a fight-or-flight response. Talk a little bit about what happens to our bodies. Well, you know, the biggest impact that stress has on our bodies is on our cardiovascular system. It amps it up. Uh, every time you have a stress reaction, you're dumping cortisol and, and particularly adrenaline into your system. 
it makes uh, makes your heart work a lot harder, and over the long haul, it leads to um, it leads to serious uh, cardiac conditions. And if you're type A, which is an extreme condition of stress, uh, your chances of dying of a heart attack are, are pretty high. It also disables our chromosomes. Um, stress hormones. Our chromosomes are held together by a by an organic matter called telomeres. You know, chromosomes kind of spiral up, and so they need a little cap at the end. Well, stress hormones cause that cap to wither, and the uh, chromosomes start putting out abnormal cells that lead to cancer and particularly lead to premature aging. Uh, then pairs our immune system, which is why stressed people get more colds, get more flus, get more skin rashes. Um, it, it impairs our gastrointestinal system. You know, you pe- people think of stress and ulcers. Well, that's why. It's, uh, part of the part of the mechanism in the stress reactions is, is that it shuts down all the long-term systems to gather the energy to put into the big muscles for fight or flight. Well, that means your immune system, your growth system, your your um, reproductive system. That's why people who are stressed tend to have a low sex drive, and it kills brain cells. And, you know, over the long haul, if it's chronic, it can kill you. If you add up all of those ailments that I just listed, all of those life-threatening diseases, it's the number one killer of Americans. Indeed. And, and, and also, I think we should talk a little bit about some of the science that's emerging on memory. Because yeah. it, it can impede short-term memory. Yeah, well, it can, can, can impede um, both long-term and short-term and working memory. You know, memory comes out of a part of the brain called the hippocampus. And um, they, uh, was Robert Sapolsky at Stanford, he did a study of uh, war veterans, you know, who are under extreme stress and then afterwards have post-traumatic stress. He found out, found that their uh, hippocampus had been shrunk to the size of a raisin, you know, a tiny little thing. And it wasn't working very well. And what that meant was their emotional memory the memory, uh, you know, where the, that's located in the stress response system took over. So all of your emotional memories, which store all your traumas to prevent you from repeating them again, they, they play on the screen of your mind and they torture you, mm-hmm. keep you keep, have you walking the floor late at night. So that happens certainly within a, a soldier with a returning vet. That's going to happen to an extreme degree, but it happens to a lesser degree within each of us, you know, we what wakes us up in the middle of the night frightened and we can't get back to sleep years the ago emotional memory taking charge well I, and i would love for you to share a personal example years ago you experienced what you call a perfect storm of stress tell us about it well yeah 30 years ago um actually this january was 30 years ago i experienced the that perfect storm of stress i lost my job and nine days later i was diagnosed with a brain tumor and i was warned by the surgeon to prepare myself for some really serious neurological disabilities. And um, I had I was married at the time with four children, so you can imagine the distress I was under. And I had to wait six weeks for the surgery, and I spent the first two weeks terrified, pacing the floor every night, afraid I'd never work again, which is one of the things that the doctor predicted, that my family would end up homeless. And then one fateful night, I reached a point where I questioned which was worse, you know, the dire problems that could happen to me in the future or the abject fear that had been happening to me every day since I was diagnosed, every day, all day long, and into wee hours of the night. 
And it was clear to me at that moment that the fear was worse. So I made the decision right then and there to approach the surgery with a more peaceful attitude, uh, simply by letting go of fearful thoughts. And, and it, to my surprise, it worked. It was easier than I thought. Um, and long story short, the surgery turned out to be a complete success, spared me a life of disability. And uh, I got an even better job uh, pretty quickly after I'd recovered. And, you know, what was clear to me at that time was that my change in attitude from stressed and afraid to peaceful and hopeful and optimistic was what made it happen, was what made the difference. Um, before that, I didn't think that such a thing, simple thing as a shift in attitude could create such an enormous outcome. But, you know, over the last 20 years, science has discovered that improving your mental state leads to highly beneficial outcomes. It's called the mind-body connection. And it, now we're, we're seeing that it, that it has huge ramifications, um, like the power of suggestion. We actually can project uh, what we, our desires to manifesting just through, through our state of mind, our, our, our mental attitude. You can change your brain to transform a stressful life into the good life. And they did that for me. It's important to point out that what you and I are discussing are not simply wishing away bad circumstances, because this is where it crosses the line for some people who, you know, out there who are intelligent, rational, let's say, well, that's who, that's woo woo, that's hooey. And really what we're saying is bad things are happening how we are relating to those bad things as they are occurring is, can be, not is, can be that turning point that actually empowers us to radically shift what is going on. Well, when we make that radical shift, we actually begin to see what we call, quote-unquote, bad circumstances in a very different light. When I worked at the Center for Attitudinal Healing, uh, we worked with people, we were right in the middle of the AIDS epidemic, at the height of the AIDS epidemic in San Francisco. We worked with people with cancer. We worked with people in refugee camps in Bosnia and Croatia. And when I ran the life-threatened group, people who were, uh, some would call terminally ill, um, I, routinely I heard people say, if I had to go back and if I, if I was to lose my cancer, my cancer was to disappear, but it meant I had to go back and lose everything that it has taught me about the spiritual reality of me, I wouldn't, I wouldn't exchange it. They're, you know, these bad circumstances, they're really classrooms in which yeah. they challenge us to, to rise above them. And um, that's what attitude does. You know, attitude, we can, we, our attitude either makes us a victim of circumstances or makes us greater than circumstances. And that's, that's, the, that's where personal power comes from. When we begin to see that, you have to, you have to step into it. Uh, that's one of the things that my, books help, help, my book helps people do, a step-by-step -step process of building that kind of attitude. And in, when you do that, you, you prove it to yourself, but you have to prove it to yourself. And once you prove it to yourself, your life is, is going to change dramatically because the one thing, you know, we don't control all of our circumstances. We don't control the weather. We don't control uh, the ups and downs that come along. But the one thing that we have complete control over is our attitude, and it's the one thing that makes us powerful in every situation. So we need to seize hold of it. And this is why I love to call our brains the human dashboard, because once we are able to um, 
you know, harness mastery in this arena, we really tend to experience life as a much more joyful process that doesn't mitigate the bad things that are happening. You know, I like to tell clients myself in practice, do not become what you fear. Absolutely. That's absolutely the case. Yeah, it is the case. Now, you presently um, work in corporate America. You take these concepts, you take your program, and you go into businesses and teach big companies, major companies, um, how to better manage and harness stress. And perhaps we're even talking a little bit about post-traumatic growth, right? Right. Yes. Yeah, so that we, yeah, we go into corporations. Um, we do an eight-week training. It takes anywhere from four to six weeks for neuroplasticity to work, where you actually begin to notice that uh, you gravitate towards a positive attitude. You gravitate towards optimism, joy, a more peaceful, calm way of dealing with things um, in, in a more automatic way. And when that happens, you, it's the indication that, you, that your brain has changed. And when we go into corporations um, and we walk people through this one hour a week, um, what ends up happening at the end of uh, eight weeks is that there's a 40% reduction that people report in their level of stress, and that's twice what stress management used to get. You know, stress management was about changing your behavior um, in ways that could reduce your stress, but neuroplasticity is about changing your mind to change your brain to eliminate stress so that you, you literally transcend it. You're not managing it anymore. You're transcending um, the things that pull you, pull you down, pull you into the storm. And then what we see with people is that we see um, r- rise in their creativity, their productivity, in their work and professional relationships. They feel a greater sense of uh, work-life balance. And all of those are indicators of brain function, higher brain function coming on online in a more powerful way. You know, something comes to mind as you're talking about doing this in uh, a community or in the tribe, and, and, and there's the work tribe and the home tribe, and, and how that all balances out is, is a whole other show. But when we experience this kind of training together with other people, it creates a sense of intimacy, connection, and, and well-being. That unto itself is, is elevational. That's really true. It, create, it creates a kind of synergy. Yes. Um, when, you know, when we're about a third of the way through the training, the eight-week training we do in corporations, one of the things that begins to take over is that people begin to report how they're using a particular tool or a shift that happened for them, you know, a particular situation that always got the better of them, always stressed them out, that wasn't stressing them out because they were able to to make that shift, to use a tool to make that shift. And that goes much further in in, uh, teaching the others in the group what's possible than my sitting up and talking about it, you know. So people people bounce off of each other. They leverage themselves off of each other, and it creates a kind of synergy. And one of the things that we see in in these corporate trainings we do is it actually begins to change the work culture, which I think points back to what you said at the beginning of the show is that as we begin to make this shift and we begin to make it this shift with other people, the world around us begins to improve. And, you know, if anything, you know, it's the old, old saying, be the change you want to see in the world. Yes. And that happens at a level of community. That's how Don, it gets translated in that way. 
Don, Joseph, Gui, we are out of time. And that means you'll have to come back and carry on the discussion with me. I've so enjoyed having you on the show, but I want to give your contact information once again. The book is The End of Stress, Four Steps to Rewiring Your Brain by Simon & Schuster. You can find out more at the website, theendofstressbook.com. On Twitter or at Twitter, you can reach Don at The End of Stress. And on Facebook, Books by Gooey, and that's G-O-E-W-E-Y. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness today. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen and my guests, Dr. Mike Dow and Don Gooey, wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. Go out and rock your day, and don't forget to be kind to one another. Keep harvesting your own happiness anytime and anywhere, from the comfort of wherever you are. Subscribe, listen, and share hundreds of downloadable episodes via our free app or from our libraries at toginet.com, iTunes, Google Play, and other fine podcast platforms. To learn more about Lisa's global consulting services, please visit harvestinghappiness.com. Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen. Harvesting Happiness is produced in collaboration with Toginet Radio, KBUU net and is available on PRX, the public radio exchange.